Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you this morning? Hey, Alan, I'm doing good, man. It's a sunshiny day. I've got no less than three containers of liquid in front of me, two of them with caffeine. So what's not to like? I'd say you've come prepared then. Yup. Very nice. Well, Mark, today we're covering episode four from season three, which is titled Ron and Tammy two. Is that enough numbers for you there? Oh my gosh. There's a lot of math. I know. Episode four, Ron and Tammy part two. I wish that they'd just use a color to just identify this and that be that. (laughs) Well, I think the only color that works with Tammy is blue. Today's episode (laughs) runs 2120, which is the weird. It's the third episode in a row to have that exact time cut. They've got that down to a science. They really have. Yep. This episode first aired on February 10th, 2011. Uh, you know, not every year can you have Valentine's Day. So I guess you get the other sweetest uh, romance story in the world, Ron and Tammy. I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode was written by Emily Kapnick and was directed by Tucker Gates. Wow. Good deal. Yeah. So why don't we jump? I know we've got a lot of extra stuff going on today. So why don't we r- jump right into the synopsis, Mark? Let's do that. Let's just jump with both feet, with all three feet. Let's just jump right in. <laughs> all right. Um, so I, the judges may be angry with me today, Alan, because Uh I actually split this up into three potential stories. The judges gave me their crib notes and they also had three. Oh, let's see if we have the same three before I send them home this week. Apparently the twenties I slipped, the judges worked. All right. So I have as the A story, Ron and Tammy, 10 pounds of crazy in a five pound bag. (laughs) I like that. Ron's ex-wife, Tammy, attempts to sabotage his life, but Ron resists her wiles, mostly due to being in a relationship with Tom's ex-wife, Wendy, which Tom continues to be upset about, by the way. Later, however, Wendy and Ron break up after she announces she's moving back to Canada. At a party for the Pawnee PD, Ron drowns his sorrows and Tom arrives with Tammy as his date to get back at Ron. After fighting loudly, Ron and Tammy leave the party to try and make amends. However... A night filled with drunken sex and mayhem ensues, ending with the two getting remarried and ending up in jail. After getting Ron released, the gang holds an intervention for him, even playing a tape Ron made for himself. What will happen? Will the gang's intervention for Ron work? Can Ron get through to himself? Will Ron and Tammy get get, get another divorce or will the marriage stick? Will Tom and Ron ever make amends? Stay tuned and find out dot dot dot. All right. Very good. All right. All right. What's your B story? All right. B story I called Leslie's favor. Oh, in order to pull off the Harvest Festival. Better than Sophie's Choice. Oh, tons better. Yeah. In order to pull off the Harvest Festival, the Parks Department needs the Pawnee Police Department to volunteer as security during the event. To gain favor, favor with them, Leslie and gang throw a party for the Pawnee PD referenced above in the A story, hoping to then ask them about the Harvest Festival favor. During the party, Ben has awkward interactions with Chief Trumple, causing Leslie to postpone asking for the Harvest Festival favor. The next day, when Leslie and Ben find out about Ron and Tammy in jail, she uses the favor, so to speak, to ask for Ron to be released to her custody. This causes Ben to be concerned about wasting the earned favor. We have questions. Did Leslie waste her favor indeed with Chief Trumple? Will the Pawnee PD volunteer for the Harvest Festival? Can Ben stop being so awkward around Chief Trumple? Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. 
Uh, I think it's a, a question of Ben being awkward with everyone, but especially a cop. Oh, he's got he's got problems with them. He's They're cops got a there. Real problem. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's so your C story, Mark? The C story is uh, I just went with alliteration. Yeah. April the assistant. There you go. Well, kind of. Yep. All right. <clears throat> April is working as Chris's assistant until he goes back to Indianapolis. April's cynicism and Chris's relentless optimism clash, needless to say, driving April crazy. In an attempt to get fired, April purposefully neglects to tell Anne that Chris can't make a lunch date. When Anne arrives to confront Chris, she quickly realizes April's ploy. How will this turn out? Will Chris drive April crazy? Does April end up buying the dreaded orange post-its? Can Bert Macklin from the FBI help April out of her predicament? Never fear, loyal viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very, very nice. Thank I like you. it. All right. Well, that's a great set of synopses, Mark. Uh, why don't we see, uh, you know, if we have a corresponding list of AKAs here this week, I suspect we might. <laughs> well, I think we might, too, although I'm going to admit to you, Alan, I only have one. Me, too. And it's because the one I chose, I just felt was so. <laughs> I had to include it and I have a feeling maybe it's the one you chose, too. We'll, we'll see. I know this episode had its uh, all of its cringeable moments for sure. It had a lot of cringy moments and a lot of funny moments. But it, oh, yeah. so the one I chose is where Ron tells Ben about his mustache <laughs> it rubbed off from friction. <laughs> I love right after that, Ben has to roll down the window to get some air because I think he's gagging so hard. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both him and Leslie. Yeah. Actually, no, Mark, uh, th that's a great one, by the way. And uh, I only chose one as well. And it's a different one. Oh. Um, I figure this episode really is, you know, it's about Tammy, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, specifically Tammy, too, which I love the title of this episode because it seems pretty simple, right? Ron and Tammy, too, because she's Tammy, too. Right. Not Tammy, one. That's right. Uh, but also it's the second time we've met Tammy, too. Right. So, duh. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, my mine comes down from the scene where you know, there's a little altercation you might have alluded to in the synopsis. He's there in the in the bar and we get some of uh, the police, uh, you know, Pawnee's finest there. And every single one of them describes her yeah, real piece of work, real piece of work. Yeah. So that is my <laughs> one and only A.K.A. this week. Nicely done. Yeah. Very good. Well, Mark, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Constantine approached me and he asked if he could all, uh, start participating in the AKAs. Oh, yeah. What'd you say? I said no. Oh. And, um, you know, I thought that was a little weird. Like, I love Constantine. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, then he have some work to do. And I said, you know, you're you're a production person now. You're doing the production-y thing. I don't really understand what he is. But uh, apparently you do it. And I said, instead, why don't you actually just put together maybe a little clip show for this? You know, that's a great point, Alan. We did not uh, promote him to unpaid producer for nothing. Well, that's I guess right. we did, but <laughs> he should practice his producer talents. And that's exactly what, what I had in mind here. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cute. He's going to put together a little reel yep. and we'll see what he can do. And, you know, it's probably going to be a little amateurish and, you know, but um, I got to be honest, Mark, I, I know you haven't seen it yet, but I was kind of impressed. All right. Well, let's give it a play. All right. Well, here we go. In 2009. You just opened the gates. gates. To crazy, crazy town. town. What's it What's like to stare, to stare into the, the eye of Satan's butthole? If she binds your hands and you can't reach your phone, then just try to chew yourself free. I honestly believe that she was programmed by someone from the future to come back and destroy all happiness. 
Death is inescapable. She's here, isn't she? In 2011. Hello, Ron. Hello, Tammy. God, she's amazing. She's back. Jerky? I pre-dialed 911, so all you have to do is press send. Believe you know my date, Tammy Swanson. Hi, Ron. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. Oh, so it's okay for you to have a girlfriend, but I'm not supposed to see anybody? Damn it, woman! Tammy seems scary, but really, she's just a manipulative, psychotic, library book-peddling, sex-crazed she-demon. Sounds like a real whore. <laughs> Time for Tammy and me to bury the hatchet. Ah! Run! Good Lord, what happened here? Tammy happened here. Parks and Recreation. Ron and Tammy. It's been kind of a crazy night. Two. Brought to you in Terrifying 2D. Wow. That was pretty impressive, don't you think? I was kind of blown away, yeah. Yeah, the the boy's got some skills. He does. He's got some chops. Well, we'll have to keep that in mind and see how we can uh, continue to use him on future episodes. Um, I agree. I, I think we're, we he, he set a new bar and uh, he may regret it. Yeah, I like that bar he set. <laughs> I also like the bar in this episode, O'Shea's. Oh, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, why don't we get into our episode breakdown? And uh, if you don't mind, I'll kick us off this week with uh, the cold open. Absolutely. Go for it. Well, Mark, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're in the cold open and we meet Gentleman Jack Cooper. I like that, you know, because Gentleman Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the controller's office. And and while he doesn't know it specifically, um, he is the harbinger of doom. Yeah, he's a harbinger. Uh, uh, he uh, he comes in and uh, asked if he can talk to Ron. It's a little embarrassing, Alan. Uh, it's about a debt he owes, apparently, to the pub, Pawnee Public Library regarding oh, a, people. an overdue book uh, entitled, quote, It's Not the Size of the Boat, Embracing Life with a Micropenis. <laughs> you, see, you see Ron smile and yeah. Tammy. He immediately identifies it as Tammy's work. And this causes Ron to make his way to her office in the library services building with Leslie in tow. Because Leslie's kind of concerned. She remembers what happened last time. We get another one of those awesome walking, talking heads. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Ron confronts Tammy, who attempts to tempt Ron with her odd but effective seductress ways. (laughs) However, Ron is now in a stable relationship with Wendy and surprises Tammy and I think Leslie, too, by shrugging off her advances, calling her on her BS and telling her to knock it off. Oh, very nice. You know, Mark, uh, there's so much to love about this this opening, this cold open. You know, uh, first of all, it's it's basically what uh, roughly two, two, almost a minute and a half. Yeah, I, I, I had it as a minute 43. Yeah. Definitely plot relevant. Yeah, definitely pl- pl- plot relevant. Yeah. Easy for you to say. <laughs> um, 
but I, I, I love that there's a couple of great lines in here. And, you know, uh, you know, Leslie on this walk and talk is preparing Ron, you know, just in case things go badly. She's already, you know, overprepared Leslie, right? She's pre-dialed 911. All you have to do is hit send. Right. <laughs> and then if she binds your hands and you can't reach your phone, just try to chew yourself free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good advice. I, I often give that advice. I'm not sure why. Yep. <clears throat> And then they get there and uh, Tammy's been over apparently checking herself for scoliosis and <laughs> she's flashing a whale tail aboard, aboard. Whale tail, whale tail. Oh, my God. This is not a drill. It's not a drill. Well, and, you know, and Ron then calls Tammy's BS and says, look, you know, you call off your dogs. You and I both know that in my entire adult life, I have never checked a book out of the library. <laughs> and Alan, you're right. I'm not trying to, to lengthen this, but there's so much to enjoy about this uh, and all the other stuff in this episode. I love where she gets out a a, a big slab yeah. of jerky, yeah. eats a little bit of it, and then seductively, I guess, starts slapping herself in the face with it, which elicits from Leslie, oh, God, she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Ron admits there was a time that that would have driven him wild, but, you know, he's in a relationship now, and she freaks out. Oh, she uh, she's such a mess. I love it. That's so good. Well, following the cold open, Mark, and the credits, we open on the gang uh, planning their stealthy bribe, as I call it, to the police department to get them to help with the upcoming event. And, and we learn something new about Ben here as well. Yeah, we we certainly do. Like you said, they're they're trying to they're they're throwing they're throwing an appreciation shindig yeah. for the Pawnee PD, uh, hoping that maybe that can earn favor with them so that they can ask a favor later. Um, which which is specifically they need the police to volunteer as security during the Harvest Festival. And I think they alluded to the fact that if for some reason they don't get the police to volunteer for this, they're never going to be able to pull it off. Yeah, it's kind of a non-starter. You know, they, they know they have to have security and without it, they, they can't afford the budget that would normally bring, I think, is what they're saying. And I think that this is one of several things where it's like, you know what, we're, we're, we're going for it with the Harvest Festival, right? But everything has to fall in place perfectly for this to happen. And this yeah. is one of them. Well said. Well okay. Said. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Ben apparently, uh, well, first he uh, suggests salads, which gets, I mean, he just gets shut down. Like, don't be such a Jerry, Ben. Well, he just starts off on a bad fit in this episode. He, he does. Although, you know, he means well, stupid non pontian And then he just double de- doubles down on it and like, okay, no, no salad. How about, uh, I really like calzone. How about calzone? <laughs> and like, no, that's dumb. And that's a dumb idea. And you're dumb for having it. <laughs> And everybody just piles on. It's it's pizza. It's just harder to eat. It's dumb. No, we're not doing it. Um, I love Tom interjects. This is embarrassing for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, again, I just love all these little snippets. Um, Ron leaves apparently with Wendy for a mid-morning pre-lunch, but assures Andy he will be back in time for lunch. <laughs> I love it. I mean, this this shows this episode specifically is just juicy with stuff today. Right. Well, over at the shoe shine stand briefly after that, Tom is explaining his feelings about Ron and Wendy being together to Andy. And Andy's doing his best to be a good listener and, and also maybe give some helpful advice. <laughs> yeah, this is just a short little scene. And basically, it's what you said, Ellen. It, it, Tom's treating Andy as many people have as their essentially their bartender. Uh, while, while they're getting their yeah. shoes shined. And he's, yeah, we've, we've thrown the cheers reference out there a few times. That's right. That's cheers right. at the shoe shine stand. And so Tom just feels like they're rubbing it in his face at this point. You know, he just, he's, he's tired of it. And, um, 
I don't know. Andy, I think, is just trying to listen to this as well. If you if all you can imagine is Ron, you know, <clears throat> do, doing your wife there. How about you just imagine him in like tights and cape? You know, because like that, then they'll make it funny, maybe. And there's like, no, all I can think of is a cape now. So I, just, I think it made it worse. Uh, thanks, Andy. Yo. <laughs> well, Mark, apparently Chris has a new assistant. And I think we've seen this awkward and extremely uncomfortable young woman somewhere before. Oh, my goodness. You are exactly right. Well, Chris's prior assistant apparently went back to Indianapolis. Ah. So he's borrowing April for a few days. Uh, And I think it's supposed to be until he, Chris himself, goes back to Indianapolis. I think that's what was implied. So Chris calls April into his office, uh, asking her to order some more post-its. Chris is just his typical energetic, cheerful, optimistic self, which is way at contrast with April's, you know, everything. (laughs) I'd like post-its. I'd like yellow. (laughs) I'd like uh, green. I do not want orange. I have plenty of orange. (laughs) It's just so Chris. Um, And April indicates to the audience that this is driving her crazy, not because she's overworked, but because Chris is so Chris. Well, yeah. And 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 she immediately responds to his, you know, very specific request with got it. So you want five million orange post-its. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chris writes her a post-it and says, good job. And she just, oh, my God, she just freaking out. She did. She can't handle the positive. And she holds up a post-it note to the camera. Help. Yeah. So, Which is kind of interesting. I think that's the only silent talking head I've seen. You know, you may be onto something. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. It was funny. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was so April. Well, over at JJ's, yet another couple is saying goodbye. Yeah, they are. Ron and Wendy are sitting at a booth. They're having the Ron's having his pre-morning, mid-morning pre-lunch, as he said. <laughs> uh, they're sitting at a booth in JJ's diner. And Wendy tells Ron that she needs to move back home. To take care of her parents. Yeah. And Ron is very sorry to see her go. And he he genuinely looks sad here. Um, well, he considered her a companion. He certainly for, did. For Ron is something. That is tremendously something. And, uh, you know, Wendy breaks the touching moment just briefly just to say, well, you know, would you <laughs> I don't suppose you'd want to consider coming to Canada with me, would you? Which gives us a delightful Ron spit take moment. Ugh. And he has this goofy laugh just at the at the mere thought of him going to Canada. No, I don't suppose I would. <laughs> so good. Well, over at O'Shea's Irish pub, yep. we which is apparently one of the 14 Irish pubs located in Pawnee, Mark, based on my research. <laughs> Uh, ben and Leslie are preparing to complete their 11 point plan to get this favor from the chief when they run into Ron. That's right. We we see, uh, you know, a large number, obviously, of the Pawnee uh, Police Department are, are there enjoying the, the aforementioned pizzas. I think there's a banner in the bar proclaiming the Parks and Rec Department. Thanks, Pawnee's finest. Um, and and. Ben is concerned about how to ask for the favor. He kind of wants to go into strategy, but Leslie's confident she has it down to a science. Um, what did she say? Like it's it's post pizza, pre ice cream, after three beers, less than four beers. It's yeah, brilliant. It's a mathematical formula. That's why I said it's an 11 point plan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Leslie. Well, so Leslie tells him to hand, hang tight, goes to the bar, gets beers for her and Ben, notices a sad Ron at the end of the bar who tells Leslie the news about <sighs> Wendy moving back to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, the, the action figure they made for this episode of Ron, you know, because they try to do one for every episode. This is sad sack Ron. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so good. You know what? This episode actually has a lot of different versions of Ron, I bet. 
I mean, not joking. You could you could easily mold four different action figures from oh, yeah. this episode alone. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would I would buy all of them. Me too. Sucker. No oh, way. Well, you know, Anne and Chris are on their date at a fancy restaurant, which I'm not sure where it is, but anyway. Uh, and and Chris has finally discovered what is wrong with Anne. <laughs> it, it seems like they're having a great time. Uh, they're having delightful banter. And Chris finds out that Anne's not a fan of football. Nah. I knew it. Um, and Anne tells us via talking head that she really, really likes Chris. And yeah, she knows that he's going back to Indianapolis in a couple of weeks, but she's kind of hoping he'll ask her to move with him. I mean, this is not a small thing. No, not at all. And I don't know if this is Anne deciding that she likes Chris that much or she's just ready for a big change in her life because I, I won't say she's in a rut, but is she in a rut? I think she was and now she's trying to explore the world outside of said rut. That's a good way to look at it. I, I do really like how she's almost emulating or mimicking Chris, uh, but but in, in an good. endearing way. You yeah. know, he says, I would like a local beer. I'd like it in a bottle. I'd like the bottle to be cold. And then in her very <laughs> Anne's Perkiny way, she says, yeah. I would like a glass of white wine. I would like it to be Chardonnay. And I would like that with one ice cube. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Love it. So good. Well, they do say mimicry is the biggest uh, form of flattery, right? Is that what they say? They, they say something like it. Oh, yeah. Back over at Doshay's, the moment has finally arrived for Leslie and Ben to execute step one of this plan and uh, called Plan Giant Favor with Chief Trumple. That's right. Um, they, they call it Step Talk to Trumple. Um, <laughs> so they, they go up to the Talk to Trumple there, or Chief Trumple, and uh, they're going to ask him the favor. It seems like it's the post pizza pre ice cream yeah, time that Leslie was talking moment. about. How um, could, what could go wrong? Well, I will tell you because Ben attempts to make small talk. But yeah. you won't believe this, Alan. He comes across as weird and awkward yeah. and he kind of ruins, you know, the perfect moment trademark. So he and Leslie decide they're going to kind of retreat at least for a little bit, maybe regroup a little bit, uh, saying they'll check in with him later. Um, and Leslie finally gets Ben, you know, takes a few steps away and said, what what the hell? <laughs> and, and that's when Ben tells us, I, I think our first inclination of this he gets nervous around cops. Yeah. I mean, he literally says that, you know, um, at first he, he thinks they're getting somewhere, though. But she's like, yeah, great small talk over there. <laughs> so and Trumple, you know, he's a, he's a straight shooter. And uh, I think he thinks Ben's a little goofy. Oh, for sure. Well, you know what? They they, they uh, Ben and Leslie wander away from Trumple. And then all of a sudden Tom announces himself. What up? Tom Haverson's in the building. And he enters O'Shea's. With his date, bum, 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 Ron's ex-wife, Tammy. Tom clearly intends to rub this in Ron's face. A strange variation of <clears throat> tit for tat, if you will. Um, Leslie chastises Tom immediately for this move, but Tom ignores her, instead getting more and more freaky with Tammy on the dance floor. Yeah, Tom is clearly here to rub this in Ron's, uh, Ron's face. And, you know, he's is seeing your ex-wife on my arm making you uncomfortable. Gee, I can't imagine why or can I? Yeah, take this, Captain Mustache. Yeah, Captain Mustache. <laughs> that That is another shirt. Uh, Constantine, in between your beautiful uh, Hollywood style clips, could you make us a new shirt? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, after a short break, Mark, we continue this scene at O'Shea's and uh, and I mean scene, uh, which is short for obscene. Yes, it certainly is. Um, 
Tammy and Tom are getting increasingly and demonstrably and disturbingly uh, freaky with each other. Oh, there's a monster here. All right. That's for sure. <laughs> and Tammy has Tom's tie in between her teeth. Tom's backed up against a pole. Although I notice she does keep calling him Glenn. <laughs> it goes on even, for the rest of the episode. It's not even close. Anyway, so Ron comes over to try and warn Tom, son, you don't know what you're getting yourself uh, into. And that Tammy's actions are clearly about messing with him, Ron, and, and not about her liking Tom. This causes Tammy and Ron to start to argue, uh, escalating to Tammy slapping Ron hard at which point several policemen intervene and separate them. I love it. It's like a little mini episode of cops that, you know, including Chief Trumple there. And, you know, they're all uh, kind of reporting, as you would see on an episode of cops, what has what's happened in this altercation. Right. And they go through all four cops, uh, you know, describing, you know, Caucasian male, uh, white, you know, uh, strong build, approximately 5'10", verbal altercation. And then, you know, they get through this loop and then they, they all get a second <laughs> shot. Every single one of them, real piece of work. Real piece of work. Real piece of work. Real piece of work. Uh, so good. Just like Dragnet. It was. Mark, you know, we didn't mention our guest stars here on this week, and there were quite a few. We had Eric Pierpont back as Chief Trumbull, who we've met before. Mm. But I wanted to mention two of the other officers specifically by name, not because of their because of their real names, uh, which I don't know if we really know these actors very well, but their character names. Officer Scorgle. Nice. And this one's even better. Officer Randy Kilnose. <laughs> I don't know whether... I don't like those names or I like them so much because yeah. they're so bad. They are. They are very bad. Good names <laughs> or good, bad. There's something. I don't know. Well said. Well, following that, Leslie pleads with Tom to stop and not proceed what he's doing, because whatever he's doing, he's doing it with a she devil. <laughs> Is he ever? Yeah. Leslie tells Tom this fight fire with fire stuff that he's attempting is a mistake and that, in fact, Ron and Wendy aren't even dating anymore, which I don't think Tom knew no, at this point. That's news to him. Leslie is then horrified when she turns around and sees Ron and Tammy walking by together saying they're, quote, going to get a cup of coffee and talk things out. Ron assures Leslie everything will be fine. <clears throat> Famous last words. Um, Leslie is petrified, remembering what happened last time they attempted this. L-O-L. Yeah. And we, we we actually saw some of that in Constantine's little clip this morning. Good oh, stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the following morning, we're at the police station and we see Ben and Leslie along with Chief Trumple outside of a holding cell standing and staring at something horrifying. I'm, I'm guessing it's related to uh, those famous last words Ron had. I have a feeling you're right. Let's see. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Ron and Tammy are apparently being kept in adjacent <sighs> holding cells going at it through the bars <laughs> moaning while they fondle and kiss and oh yuck each other through the bars. Apparently it's been like this for hours, Alan. Uh, we can see that Ron has his hair in cornrows and the middle part of his mustache is apparently just gone. Um, Leslie finally manages to get Ron's attention from all the Humpty dancing through the bars <laughs> and asks him what in the hell happened. And it, Alan, we get a delightful series of flashbacks. This is really well done. Yeah. So here. Are the, I wish we could play those, but they are 100 percent visual. Here are the salient points yeah. that I captured yeah. just really quickly. We see Ron and Tammy arguing loudly outside the bar. 
We see Ron and Tammy making out passionately a few moments later on the hood of a police car. We see Ron and Tammy at a hair salon while Ron gets his hair put into cornrows and Tammy's laughing and spinning in a chair. We see Ron and Tammy at a customer service desk for bridal and gift registry (laughs) slash returns and exchanges where they both got apparently item scanners. We see Tammy running while pushing a shopping cart with Ron laying on top of it in Superman flying position, both of them marking things for their gift registry. My God. We see Ron and Tammy at, I assume this is City Hall, I think. And yeah. and Ron just freaking. I'm not sure it's not the fourth floor, in fact. It's the Department of Marriage License. I, th- I thought about that. Yeah. You may be right. Um, so Ron just freaking punches a hole right through the door. <laughs> To open up bam, to, bam, just bam. to to get a marriage application uh, for them to fill out, and then we see Ron and Tammy getting married at the courthouse. I think um, I'm not sure where this is, this is given the late time of night. Yeah, this ain't Vegas, and yet, but you know, we'll, it's Pony's version of Vegas. It is funny, so we'll let it go. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where they end the flashback, and then Ron kind of encapsulates it all by saying, "It's been kind of a crazy night." And then, you know, just two seconds later, Tammy's like, come back, come back. And they start Humpty dancing through the bars again. And like, yuck. Yeah. LOL and yuck. I was a little nauseated after that scene. Yeah. And and I'm laughing a little as well. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Well, over at City Hall, Chris has asked April to come into the office and is immediately impressed with her uh, initiative or at least her basic hearing skills. (laughs) Yeah. Chris is very quick to hand out compliments, I think. Which I think infuriates april even more (laughs) if you could pour fire a fuel in that flame that's how you would do it right so chris calls april into his office to ask her to tell ann that he won't be able to make it for lunch today with her because he's swamped well then uh, april happy to comply apparently we we see a shot of her at her desk holding apparently an imaginary phone to her head. (laughs) And she says, hi, Ann, this is April. I'm just calling to let you know that Chris can't make it for lunch today. I knew you wouldn't care. Goodbye. Goodbye. She she hangs up the imaginary phone, looks straight at the camera, clearly pleased with herself. Uh, So defiant. Yup. Love it. Well, back over at the police station, Chief Trumple shares the 411 with an apparently nauseated Ben and Leslie. Yeah. And he tells them what happened. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, Tremple tells them that they had to bring in Ron and Tammy because they started having sex at the courthouse. So, you know. And it got worse from there. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, so Leslie asks Trumple a favor to reduce Ron's charges and please release him into her mm. custody, which Trumple agrees to. And I think Ben is a little concerned about. Well, he, he's worried that, you know, this is the favor, right? And he she is now not going to use it on the Harvest Fest and doom will follow. And, you know, but it's Leslie and she's going to help a brother out. Right. They had five dollars worth of favor. They spent the five dollars worth of favor on this. They now have no more favor money. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just accounting. You know, I, I love, too, that uh, he he agrees. Chief Trumple agrees to, to do this. But, you know, she wants him to stay away from that crazy librarian. In fact, she doesn't want him within 500 feet of the library. And Leslie goes, that's good advice for all. Of us. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben even tries to, you know, pitch oh. in. Like, hey, thanks, bro. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> like, do you look at Chief Trumple and think, thanks, bro? Yeah, he, he, that's not something you say. No, it's really not. Ben needs to work on this with his therapist. Yep. 
Well, in the backseat of Leslie's car, Ron is kind of like a dog who suddenly realizes that he's being taken to the vet. (laughs) That's a really good description. I never would have thought of that, but you're exactly right. Leslie is driving the Leslie mobile. Ben is in the passenger seat. Ron's in the back seat. He all of a sudden looks around and asks, take me back to Tammy. Uh, and, and she didn't do it. Um, ben is very concerned, as we said in the prior scene, that Leslie has wasted their, you know, whatever, five dollars worth of favor by asking for Ron to be released to them yeah. instead of the Harvest Festival thing, which is apparently very, very important. Um, I think this is also the source of uh, my AKA as Ron says, yeah, it is. I think Ron says, yeah, turn. Can you turn this down? This is our song, which is Lionel Richie's dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> and then turns around like your song is dancing on the ceiling, turns or looks at him over his shoulder and goes, oh, well, that's delightful. You're you shaved off part of your mustache. That is all lovely and stuff. And he's like and Ron looks at him and you can see he's peering at mm-hmm. Ben almost as if he's daring Adam Scott to laugh at this. Like, I didn't shave it off. It rubbed off. Big pause. From friction. friction. And then both Leslie and Ben are, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suppress that gag. Good, Good stuff. Oh. So funny. Well, back at the park's office, and because it's his of his unspeakable acts, it is now time for an intervention with Ron. Is it ever? And so I, I couldn't tell if this was one of their offices or maybe one of the meeting rooms. And it probably doesn't matter. It is actually the conference room and they've cleared out all the furniture. I had to look at it is three right? times to figure it out. Yes, sir. Good job. Yeah. All right. I mean, I got to do something on this show. I'm glad you're pulling your weight and stuff. All right. Well, good Lord. <laughs> I got to do a lot more than that then. <laughs> but thank you, everybody. Um, so, yeah, they're gathered in the in the aforementioned conference room and they're having an intervention for Ron. And we see Tom, Andy, Donna and Leslie present and they're they start the intervention and all of a sudden Jerry arrives a little bit later coming in and thinking it was a wedding reception instead of an intervention. He even got Ron a, a gift, which was, you know, very nice off of the registry Yeah, that well, they did four hours ago in the middle of the night. I tell you, he's on it. He, Jerry is on it. He really is. Um, so then Donna and Tom and Andy say some stuff actually. Alan, what do you think? Should we have Constantine play this clip? I think we should have Constantine play this clip, Mark. Yep. Constantine? All right, let's begin. I would like to address the goofy-looking, dirty kimono-wearing, corn-road clown in the room. (laughs) If you see Ron Swanson, can you give him this message? You used to be a man. You need to get your house in order. Look, I love you like a brother, but right now I hate you. Like my actual brother, Lavandrius. (laughs) Who I hate. (laughs) Okay, Tom. Ron, you look great. Your skin is glowing. I've never seen you so happy. Okay, sit down. Andy. Ron, I do not really understand what is going on right now. But, no matter what, you must keep going. You must stop. I love you, buddy. Follow your dreams. Powerful stuff. I love it. Well, you know, Mark, did you notice in the background there that the camel was up on the wall still in the conference room? No. I love I that, that it's still there. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, it's there in the background. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about that except that. Uh, uh, it, it was definitely time for the intervention. We'll have to see where this goes. Yeah. How, how effective 
the intervention is being to run. I'm not sure, but they're at least trying it. At this point, Anne enters the auditor's office and she's surprised to find April acting as a receptionist. Yeah, Anne arrives to see why Chris stood her up for lunch. But then when she sees April there working for Chris, quickly figures it out. Yeah, she has her aha moment. Uh Aha. Yeah, she certainly does. April mouths off to Anne, hoping Chris will fire her. But Anne sees right through her wily plan and instead tells Chris that not only did April apologize on his behalf, (laughs) but she also sent her flowers. April mad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you got to give Anne some credit. This is kind of brilliant, right? She's she's fighting April April's way here. Yep. Yeah. So pretty good. Well, Mark, you know, we're back at the conference room now and the intervention continues. And, you know, last week's episode, we featured an actual time capsule. Well, we kind of have a little bit of a time capsule of a nature here as well. We certainly do, Alan of the Roundtable. Yeah. At the intervention, a video is now playing that apparently Ron recorded a long time ago talking to himself. And you know what? Hey, Constantine, buddy, I know that you're tired from all the stuff you've been doing, but could we get you to play another clip? Constantine. Oh, yeah. He's up now. All right. Here we go. Hello, Ron. It's Ron. If you're watching this, it means that once again, you have danced with the devil. Right now, you're probably thinking, Tammy's changed. We'll be happy together. But you're only thinking that because she's a monstrous parasite who entered through your privates and lodged herself in your brain. So, you have two choices. One, get rid of Tammy. Or two, lobotomy and castration. Choose wisely. Stupid (laughs) Oh my God. This is a waste of time. You people have no idea what you're talking about. That was you on the tape. That was you talking. You stupid bleep indeed. Yeah. Well, he, despite Ron telling Ron what the deal is, Ron scoffs at the tape. He, he's not buying it. And then all But the, it's Ron. I know. But it's the the dumb version of Ron, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. He's you know. the much smarter version right now. Yeah, he's you got can see it. Um, And so all of a sudden, Tammy enters the room, goes to Ron. And you're not going to believe this. They start getting freaky right there in front of everybody. And Ron, <laughs> Mark, when when she approaches him and he starts stamping his foot like a bull or a rhino about to charge, I just lost it. I mean, <laughs> it is so. I just I want to know if that was improv or not because it is beautiful. It's genius. It really is. Yeah. Um, so Ron announces to the gang that he and Tammy are heading off to their honeymoon. Uh, They're going to spend 11 days at his cabin in the woods, geolocation undisclosed. Of course. And that Tammy adds in that they're going to bring 10 cases of Gatorade (laughs) and a 40 pound bag of peanuts on account of you need energy for crying out loud. Well, and we've found out already that she's ovulating. Yeah. LOL and yuck. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, back at, over at the auditor's office, Chris and Anne are about to head out for the day when Andy arrives with something from Ron Swanson or maybe official FBI business. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is this is serious stuff. Alan. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andy seems to be wilder. He's like, I don't know. It, Ron Swanson asked me to deliver this. It's a note for you. I, I, I don't know. And <laughs> Chris reads it out loud. 
To whom it may concern, dear Chris, there is an emergency regarding the Parks Department and April may just be the only person who can help. I can't get into details because it's super classified. Super classified. Super classified. Please release April back to us permanently. God bless America. Love, Burt Macklin, FBI. <laughs> it's important that you end it with love. You well, know, sure. You want to be respectful. Yeah. Well, Sounds okay. official like too. Easily seeing through this sweet but dumb facade, Chris tells April she doesn't have to work for him if she doesn't want to, but he thinks she's smart and he thinks she should come to Indianapolis and work for him where she will likely travel and meet interesting people, etc. This makes Anne uneasy. April tells Chris she will think about it, which makes Andy uneasy. I love that when uh, Chris, you know, pierces the this, you know, heavily crafted facade, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little easily. He says, look, you didn't have to do this. And Andy quickly jumps in and says, she didn't do that. I think it was Macklin's call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's trying to help. Yeah. Uh, Bert Macklin, you son of a bitch. Well, over at Leslie and Tom's office, Leslie has been holding on to this point, uh, Mark, but here she is about to release some blame storming. And I think it's headed directly for Tom. Yeah, this is a short little scene, but Leslie basically just finally loses her patience and calls Tom out for what he did, uh, saying whatever happens to Ron is on him. And and Tom kind of half-heartedly refutes it. But then after Leslie storms out, he looks kind of conflicted. Yeah, I think he realizes that he... Uh, he, he awakened the monster. Yep. Yeah. Well, earlier in the day, Mark, you know, Leslie, being the good friend that she is, used up her favor with Chief Trumple and, to get Ron off the hook. And, right. Well, you know, Ben, Calzone boy, uh, is now going to see what he can do to help get the Harvest Festival back on track. Here's hoping that nickname doesn't stick. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Ben. Just spray the pan for. No, sorry. <laughs> Despite being nervous around cops, Ben does summon the courage to go and visit Chief Trumple uh, alone uh, and uh, who recognizes him as Cal's homeboy. LOL. Um, Ben cautiously and anxiously asks Chief Trumple on Leslie's behalf, I think is fair to say, if the Pawnee police force can volunteer as security during the upcoming Harvest Festival. And hey, Constantine, hey, wake up. Can you play one more clip for us? This, this is a good one. I think we should have him play this, Alan. All right, let's do that. Well, here's hoping that that nickname doesn't stick, right? But that's not why I'm here. Uh, Leslie Nope asked you for a favor the other day, but the real favor we need is much bigger. You mean like calzone size? Ah, sure. We need the Pawnee Police Force to volunteer as security during the upcoming Harvest Festival. Now, the city won't let us throw the festival unless- Say no more. Just send me a schedule of how many officers you need and when. Really? Just like that? Leslie, nope. Gets as many favors as she needs. Can I ask why? Because she's the kind of a person who uses favors to help other people. And also, my buddy Dave was the crankiest bastard in the department until he started dating Leslie. Huh. So she... Okay. Are they still dating? Or... No. Moved to San Diego a year ago. Was it a serious thing, or... What do you care, you pervert? Nope, nope, I'm all good. Um, everything's fine. This is fine. So good. <laughs> well, Alan, I wanted to make three real quick points about that scene. Number one, I'm really proud of Ben for summoning the courage to come and see Trumple because I'm sure that that wasn't easy for him. No. Two, um, 
I think it's pretty clear that Ben's a little interested in Leslie romantically. It seems to me as he's he perks up very quickly when he hears about, you know, oh, yeah. Leslie dating uh, Officer yeah. Dave there. Yeah. And if we're not sure of it at this point, I think we are now. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And number three, I love this scene. Uh, I, I love the two lines that Trumple says that really speak to me. One is Leslie Nope gets as many favors as she needs. Second one, when Ben asks why, because she's the kind of person who uses favors to help other people. I love that. And it's That's it's great. so indicative of Leslie. And I think this combined with, you know, her flu ridden Michael Jordan moment <laughs> in, in the other episode. I mean, I, I think Leslie's got to be built up to superhuman status in Ben's eyes, even if he wasn't kind of interested in her, which I'm pretty yeah. sure he is. Well, I, th- I think that. The general appreciation by Chief Trumple and the way she's perceived by her colleagues and peers and other departments. I think that's fueling this this thing for Ben as well. Like he even he's doubling down, being more attracted because of those things. I Well said. I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. Mark, I've only been to one bridal shower and it was a little odd, but um, not quite as odd as this one. No, this one takes the proverbial I don't know what they serve at bridal showers. The cake. cake, I guess cake. Okay. Some sort of weird cake. Um, so yeah, I think in this case it'd be a penis shaped cake. Well, naturally, um, Ron and Tammy are at some sort of bridal shower thing at the library surrounded by the evil female librarians. <laughs> and they're all, um, watching Tammy open gifts, etc. Well, all of a sudden out of nowhere, blam, Tom arrives. And first, First, Tom yells at Jerry, who the the camera pans over and we now see him sitting with the evil female librarians, you know, enjoying a piece of cake. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I don't know if it's penis shaped or not. And then number two, Tom tells Ron that Tammy doesn't love him, that when he asked her to be his date, she cackled for a full minute and said, quote, anything to make Ron miserable. And Alan, what follows is a great but bizarre fight scene with Tammy soundly thrashing Tom. Oh, my gosh. This goes on for a little bit. And then finally, Ron stands up shouting angrily at Tammy that that's enough. He's had it. Tells Tammy it's over. Picks up Tom like a little weak bird and then walks out of the library. Actually, he picks him up in a similar way to Tom's divorce. Doesn't he when he carried him out Very of the bar? Very much like, yeah. 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 Or, or like, uh, you know, he does an officer and a gentleman. There. There you go. <laughs> yep. Nice. Oh, I, I love this fight scene. And, you know, it's one of those it's so visual. It wouldn't play very well here you right. know, to our viewers at home. But, uh, you know, in the whole time, Tammy is shouting at Tom, stay out of this, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you hitting yourself, Glenn? Why are you hitting yourself? Oh, uh, my gosh. And I also just had to make mention, I, I laugh so hard when it, it's obvious that Tammy and Ron are now over. So now Tam is being nasty to him again. And she says, you know, you're not even a man anymore. Oh, and by the way, last night I faked four out of the seven. Ron doesn't even blink, looks at her, grimly chuckles. Hmm. So did I. And you hear in the background, <gasps> like all the librarians <laughs> gasp and she is like horrified. I just thought that was so funny. It's so good. Yeah. The, the other funny thing in that scene, and it was such a small thing, but I, I love that the uh, one of the other librarians got her a new library card and her new name is Tammy Swanson Swanson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice touch. 
Well, Mark, the long day continues over at the Parks Department, and we're in Leslie's office, and Ben arrives to find her working late. Yes, naturally, as is her wont. Ben tells her that he talked with Chief Trumple and that he agreed to give them whatever volunteer hours they need, which Leslie is very pleased to hear. And you see Ben just kind of gaze at Leslie for a few seconds and then asks if she wants to get a bite to eat. And she banters with him a little bit about, you know, calzones and why calzones are dumb and why he's dumb for liking calzones. You know, good natured stuff. Yeah, of course. Blah, blah, blah. And then they leave to go grab a bite to eat. That's great. You know, but it's playful banter and and it's funny because it starts off with her saying, you know, hey, there's a great calzone place over in Idiotville. (laughs) He says, oh, really? Yeah, down on Terrible Idea Avenue. That's weird (laughs) because I thought it was on beating a dead horse boulevard. Uh, That's And she just gets so angry at that point and says, calzones are pointless. They're just pizza harder to eat and says, good day, sir. I think he thinks she's serious at this point. Yeah, Yeah. she she puts on a good angry face. But she's just kidding. She's just kidding. They head out to go have dinner together. But he is dumb. I like it. Well, Mark, there's only one scene after this, and it's the kicker. Yep. Uh, We are in Ron's office here, and both Ron and Tom have also had a long, tough day, and they have the battle scars to prove it. They certainly do. Um, We see Ron is now out of his dirty kimono (laughs) and out of his cornrows. He's uh, wearing the high and tight, I guess he calls it. Fully Um, quaffed again. Quaffed. Um, So things are mostly back to normal. Um, And Tom's sitting with Ron in his office. Like we said, Ron gets out some alcohol. I'm guessing some scotch. Uh, uh, Good guess. And and two glasses and pours them something to drink. Um, Tom apologizes to Ron, who I I think accepts it, but kind of waves it off like, you know, unnecessary. And instead choosing to toast to true love. May we both find it. Um, and then Tom notices the nice glasses, which is, I think that's what Jerry got him. <laughs> Those are the gla- the tumblers that Jerry got him. It's like, are you going to return them? Nah, it's too much hassle. Too much hassle. Fade to black. I love it. Yep. Well, that was a great breakdown, Mark. Why don't we do this? We'll take a real quick break and when we come back, we'll do the other stuff we do's and then we'll give a score and we'll go home. Sounds like a plan, man. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. It really doesn't matter what you call it. Beer hall, public house, cocktail lounge, brew pub, watering hole. When you find the right one, you just know it. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you went to a place where everybody knows your name? If you said never, and let's be honest, we all know that's what you said, then boy oh boy have I got an idea for you. Grab your buddies. Okay, don't have a big friend group, no problem, I understand. I've said before, one to three is sufficient. So, just grab your best friend. Okay, maybe you don't exactly have one, I understand. So, just grab your wallet and head on down to O'Shea's Irish Pub. Perchance, you will meet a new best friend. That's right, O'Shea's. According to the Pawnee Journal, quote, O'Shea's is the very best of the 14 Irish pubs in Pawnee, end quote. Who exactly did they beat out, you may ask? Well, let me tell you, son. The Randy Leprechaun, Tipsy McStaggers, The Dog's Bollocks, The Harry Lemon, <sighs> sounds gross, but okay, Patty's Pudding, The Wander Inn, The Cardinal's Confessional, The Wonky Donkey, which I have learned is another name for a three-legged horse, in case you didn't know, 
the Spread Eagle, Dirty Dicks, Filthy McNassies, the Beaver Dam, <clears throat> I sense a theme here, and finally, my second favorite and runner-up, O'Sullivan's Bastard. In conclusion, the next time you are craving adult libations, I heartily recommend O'Shea's for your drinking pleasure. O'Shea's, happily endorsed by our local boys in blue at the Pawnee Police Department. When you get to O'Shea's, be sure to do two things. A. Tell them Ron sent you. And B. Tip generously. If you do both of these, who knows? They may even break out the secret bottle of Lagavulin from under the bar. It will be our little secret. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, you know, we every week we we uh, because we review these episodes, we typically get out of the closet, the NBC, you know, DVDs of this episode. Uh, and uh, we did that again here. And we had three deleted scenes uh, running about three minutes and 30 seconds. Um, nothing huge here. You know, I think there's an extended scene, uh, maybe an alt take of where, you know, at the beginning uh, when the, the guy comes in and says, you know, hey, we've got this overdue library fine. We see a little bit of an alt take where Leslie takes Ron aside and is trying to talk him out of this. You know, it's a bad idea, Ron. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's a scene at the bar where Tammy, uh, you know, Leslie pulls Tammy aside. And Tammy does a really good job of convincing Leslie that she's being genuine here about wanting to get back with Ron. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't have any evil, uh, you know, motives here. And then there's the uh, extended scene of Leslie discovering the aftermath of Ron and Tammy's sex capades. And it's, it's all visual and it's very funny. Yeah, I thought that these were funny enough. At the same time, I kind of understood why they went, meh, all right, let's yeah. let's let's sacrifice them to the gods yeah. of we don't have enough time. Exactly. And there's enough other good stuff in this episode for sure. Yeah. Although you wouldn't think that Leslie would succumb to Tammy's uh, trying to convince her that she's earnest because that's exactly what she fell for before. It is. But, you know, good hearted Leslie. I know. Wants to find the best in everyone. I know. I agree. You know, she'll do it with the she devil, too. <laughs> <laughs> Mark on first tropes, fun facts, goofs, all that fun stuff. Uh, what did you uh, what you have this week on first? Well, for first, it, it was a very bentastic first. It was. I, I had a two. Okay. Uh, I had Ben love BLC. Ben loves calzones. Yep. And BAC. Ben's afraid of cops. <laughs> That's very good. How about you? Uh, you know, I had a couple things here um, and we actually talked about one of them earlier and then you brought up another one. So I added it to my list so I could sound smart. <laughs> um, I think today we identified maybe our, our first silent talking head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice job. That was you. Um, and I said, is this our first spit take? You know, the spit take is a classic in comedies. I think you're right. And yet here we are 30 something episodes in. I think it's our first Parks and Rec spit take. About time. Yeah. God, what were they thinking? <laughs> They should have done a couple of those in season one. Yeah, they, they, they well, needed it. Actually, you know what? It's not. You know how I know? Why? Because hunting trip when April and Andy were hanging out at the yeah. town hall. Oh, they were practicing. Was that takes. a deleted scene? Ooh, good question. It's uh, not canon. Then. It may not be canon. <laughs> oh, See, my God. this is why canon I, is important. I'm going to punch somebody. <laughs> Constantine? No, 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 no. He's done a really he's good a, job today. He's not the one I'm going to punch, Mark. Oh, it did. So use process of elimination. Who, who else would that be? <laughs> uh Oh, 
How about tropes, Mark? Did you uh, did you have any tropes this week? How about those tropes? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I had three. Yeah. Um, one was food driven Ron. Yeah. Because there's yeah. just so much of that there's goofy so stuff going on. Here, yeah. um, I didn't have over prepared Leslie, but I heard you mention yeah, that. I that thought that, that, that's a great one. Sure. Um, punching bag Jerry yeah, is a given. Course. There were a lot of punching bag they're, moments. But they're really good ones. And I love that even despite all that, Jerry not only because he was confused and maybe deserves a little punching bag. He thought it was a reception that he went out, found their registry and got a gift off of it. I mean, had that been an actual reception, he would have been the only one prepared. We've said this before in many ways, all kidding aside, Jerry is the, the most talented, most decent oh, yeah, he's person, the best person there, in the department. And he still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we had punching bag, Jerry. I had a, a Burt Macklin FBI. Oh yeah. Good one. And, I would like to I'd like to introduce a new one. Well, hold on. Hold on. If it's if you're introducing a trope, shouldn't it be a first? Well, I thought about that and then I thought maybe I screwed it up. I sent the judges home already, but I do have their cell phone numbers. What do you got? (laughs) I have their pager. Do they still have pagers? They do. Um, Good Lord. Um, The reason I didn't include it as a first, that's a great point, is I'm not sure if it started in this episode. Ah. I may I may have missed it. Okay. so here's what I'm submitting to the judges. I'm going to send this to them via their pagers. Fair. Um, Punching bag Ben, because it seems like this is becoming more of a thing. I, I've got a variant on this, but keep going. I'm done. <laughs> so what do you got? <clears throat> well, you made me actually realize that I forgot a first. Oh. And it's right here. Awkward Ben. So I, I couched it as this has been being awkward. And in fact, they if, if this was an episode where we did get the commentary on the DVDs. Not a huge list of genu- of nuggets to share there. It was an entertaining one, as always, but uh, another big cast. And I think the big star of this uh, uh, this commentary was Megan Mullally being actually on there. So they, they spent a lot of time talking to her and, and, and you know, Nick Offerman. But, but quite literally, I think we see a shift from, if you think back to when Ben and Chris for both first arrived in the black hat mode, right? Ben was oddly confident and rarely shaken ever. We're transitioning to see a new Ben, a new version of Ben, where Ben's going to not only is he more likable and they worked hard on getting him there and some character development. But I think this is the last piece of that character development puzzle where they're going to make him a little bit awkward. I don't think the Ben, Black Hat Ben, could ever be cones of Dunshire Ben if they didn't make this transition. And I'm being totally serious here. No, you know what? I I completely agree with you. If I show any hesitation, it's only because I thought of it and you didn't. I'm. There is that always. I, I liked. I like to be the one with the sun shining well, on his face. Do, sure. um, but also, I wasn't sure. I think that you're right. It kind of amped up in this episode. I wasn't sure if maybe they kind of made him progress slowly up the awkward slope. If they did, it didn't start before the last episode. I, I, I feel confident. Maybe you're that right. We're, if we're into it at all, this is the second time. You know what? You know, that, that may be right. And I, I think to your point, that is a variant of. What I say, punching bag Ben, because his awkwardness, his awkwardness lends to that. Yeah. Awkward bag Ben. No, that isn't right. That's not right. (laughs) No, I don't not like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, our homework for this week will be come up with a good acronym slash uh, code name for Ben's awkward moments. Right. All right, Mark, I've got a suggestion here. Yeah. Uh, Ben's awkward moments. Bam. Bam. Yeah. What do you think? I like it. All right. But do we still need them punching bag Ben? I think so, because 
that one I thought of. And then also, I, I think that you can have one without the other. They I, I just agree. tend to go hand in hand. All right. Well, we'll start tracking those then. Yep. All right. I like it. Uh, how about any goofs? I did not have any goofs this week. I did have one fun fact. I had a, a, a goof, I suppose, which I got from the Internet. Um, yeah, tell me. Well, apparently when the episode first broadcast, NBC ran a commercial advertising April and Andy's wedding registry on the official Parks and Recreation website. And then apparently this was a mistake. They meant to say Ron and Tammy and someone screwed up. Oh my some God. commentators suggested it could have been some foreshadowing. So, yeah. I mean, it's not really something that happened in this episode, but it's tangential to this. Interesting. Yeah. Did you did you have any fun facts? Um, I had one you know, the, only really that the cornrows and Nick Offerman's hair are real. Um, but they had small extensions put on at the bottom, make them look just a little bit longer. Nice. They took about 45 minutes to do, and they were done by the same person who does Stevie Wonder. Oh. And the uh, the Smith uh, kids, Will and Jada Smith. Oh, I thought you meant the ones that April listens to that are depressing. No, not the Smiths. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. they did not have cornrows. Yep. That would have been wrong. I actually had a fun fact, too. Uh, yeah, what you got? Well, apparently, you know, the mustache rubbed off <clears throat> because of friction. Uh. And so... Nick Offerman really shaved the, the center right. of his mustache. Right. And apparently after Ron, after Nick uh, shaved the middle of his mustache, he had to wear a fake one for the next three episodes. All right, Mark, I have conflicting information from the commentary on uh -oh. this where Mike Schur literally says that it grew back basically within three days. And they were so impressed really? by how quickly it grew back. I saw the same fun fact you did, but I, I call BS. Well, in that case, I'd like to enter my fun fact as a goof. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Very nice. See, yeah. bring it all the way around. I like it. So we did have another goof. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, how about our score? Should we move into our scoring for today? How about those scores? Yeah, let, let's move into the scoring. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, I'll start off like I've done the last few times. I'd like to bring up my episode uh, MVP. Uh, it will probably not be a big surprise. I had it as Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to give the MVP to him today. It, it really is. Um, you know, he ranged from sad with Wendy leaving to depressed to manic to drunk to Andy and always funny. Um, oh, he he so he plays off of Megan Mullally so well. Um, his real life wife. And this episode was no exception. There are too many moments, funny moments to mention, but um, I, I want to call out how brilliant I thought his scene with Wendy was. He appears at first genuinely, truly sad at the news that she's leaving. And which is surprising enough to see out of Ron, who doesn't typically emote. But then to follow that with a complete spit take when uh, she suggests he go to <clears throat> Canada, Canada. <laughs> and just a little goofy laughter, you know, no, I don't suppose I would. I love that. And that I was good. I love a good spit take. Um, well, you know, and too, I mean, it's hard to execute a spit take. Yes. They almost always look really fake. Yeah. Uh, his is one of the best I've seen. It's looked very genuine. Yeah. Um, just a few other quick notes. I, I thought there are some nice pairings in this episode. Um, Chris and April, I yeah. thought well, there are some nice moments. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked. For, I liked I, and I think that's a first of a nature that could have gone on our first list. We've done that before. Oh, good We've call. seen those kind of dynamic pairings start for the first time, and we'll see that one again. So I think that was a first we should have had. That's a great call. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I would also say to an extent, Ben and Leslie continue to evolve, um, maybe more so mm. in the way that he sees her. But I mm. think that things are definitely progressing in that arena. As a matter of fact, 
I, I am so impressed with Ben in this episode. I would say that if there was a runner up MVP, it would be him sure. just because of everything that they did for, yeah. with his character. I think his character is becoming really interesting and it has lots of little quirks like Calzones and afraid of cops, blah, blah, blah. And we'll yeah. see a lot more before the series is over. Um, and I, like I said, I also found it interesting that he's become kind of a punching bag, not exactly another Jerry really, right. but he's receiving ribbing from others because he doesn't see the world like, Pawneeans do. And if Larry were to retire, though, or Jerry, either one of them. See, I don't. Here's the difference, though. I don't think Ben is bumbling, whereas Jerry can sometimes That's be like point. that. And I feel like I feel like Ben represents the sane, not Pawneeans in a way. So that that makes ah. him a a great straight man. And B, it allows us to use him as a yardstick of sorts to 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 kind of empathize with us, the audience, and to measure how nuts the Pawnee natives are. Yeah, that's a good point. He's still an outsider at this point, functionally. Yes. And at some point, he's going to transition to be not uh, right. an outsider, not feel like one. So I'm interested in watching how that evolves. And yet, I feel like he hangs on to an aspect of being... <laughs> not insane like the rest of the yeah. like for example the, the whole so little far a, a little bit of foreshadowing the little sebastian thing yeah he never for the life of him he appreciates and respects that everybody loves sure. this this stupid little horse yeah he just he shrugs to the game he doesn't get it he will yeah. never get it so anyway <clears throat> all right well he also likes calzones and come on man <laughs> cut dude what is wrong with this guy all right so Mark's score, I'm going to give this a 4.5 base score. It's pretty darn good. I don't have a lot to detract from this. Um, I'm going to give a, a whole bonus point to a great performance from episode MVP Nick Offerman. I'm going to give half a point to an MVP assist and all around great guest star Megan Mullally. I'm going to give a half point to... What I actually thought was a good use of their deep comedic bench. It seems like everybody here got a moment, even Donna and Jerry. So oh, yeah. well done. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give half a point to the montage where they spent the night doing crazy stuff and got married. I think that was just really well done how they slammed all that together really quickly. I'm going to give half a point to the great moment with Ben and Chief Trumple when they were talking about Leslie's favors. You know, she gets all the favors she needs. She yeah. does good stuff with great them. That's scene. why she does. That was a great, great scene. Um, I got to give half a point to the fight scene between Tammy and Tom. That was just bizarre and so enjoyable. Um, and the stunt double for Tom. So many people including and found this out in the commentary. The cast members actually believed that that was Aziz Ansari. I thought it was. It was not. Is that right? No, they said he did such a good job and it's edited so well. You literally cannot see it. Ann Perkins. I'm impressed. Yeah, me yeah. too. So give that another quarter point. No, because <laughs> you have to round down. So I'm going to give um, another half point. For Ben, I guess, like his character getting so well fleshed out, he's becoming so interesting. And even though he's the straight man, I feel like they're doing a lot of good stuff with them. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Finally, I'm going to give half a point for mustache rubbed off from friction because LOL and yuck. Yeah. I mean, that is so freaking funny. So you add all those up. It, this scored really high. This I gave it nine little Sebastians. This is a really, really strong episode. In my opinion, they took everything we loved about the original Ron and Tammy. And as they say in Spinal Tap, Alan, they turned it up to 11. So well done. What Very you good. Got? No, nice job, Mark. Very nice. Well, let me do this. I'm going to start off with the top 10 moments. And as usual, I cheated. Um, 
I, I think there are 14 <laughs> crammed in here. So I, I'm not even going to lie about it. You know what? You do you. Hey, you know, uh, again, I, I think it's, it speaks to the quality of the episode that this was a hard list to compile yeah. and limit myself to something even close to 10. So, yeah. all right, here we go. So, uh, Ron, if she binds your hands and you can't reach your phone, just chew yourself free. <laughs> um, abort, abort. She's flashing a whale tail. <laughs> You and I both know that in his entire adult life, Ron has never checked a book out of the library. Never. Um, before, all he could think of was Captain Mustache Plowing, his ex-wife. Now, he's imagining him doing it in a cape. Yep. Thank it, you, it Andy. didn't help. No, it did not. Uh, <clears throat> Tammy, she's really just a manipulative, psychotic, library book-peddling, sex-crazed she-demon and a real piece of work. <laughs> well said. Yeah. See how I'm combining? Yeah. Yep. Um, the Popo does not want Ron within 500 feet of the library. And that's good advice for all good of us. Good advice for all of us. Yep. Um, Ron did not shave his mustache. It rubbed off from friction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Donna would like to address the goofy looking dirty kimono wearing cornrow clown in the room. You go, and Donna. She loves him like a brother. But right now she hates him like her actual brother, Lavandrius, who she hates. Who she hates. Yeah. So that was like five combined. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Ron and Tammy are going to spend 11 days in the cabin in the woods. Not, you know, the one from Josh Whedon, but uh, they thank God. But they brought 10 cases of Gatorade and a 40 pound bag of peanuts. So it's probably just as gross as that cabin in the woods. You need energy. You do. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a really great calzone place over in Idiotville down on Terrible Idea <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> but Ben thought it was uh, on Beating a Dead Horse Boulevard. So, yeah. And then number, I guess, 11. Sure, let's just say that. <laughs> Don't even pretend <laughs> at this like point. There's like 30 of these. Yeah. Uh, calzones are pointless. They're just pizza that's harder to eat. Yeah, I can't argue. And that one pained me, Mark. Uh, while it's funny, I actually like calzones. I'm, I'm on Ben's side. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? I do. Very much. I mean, like I say, I don't I'm going like, to eat one tonight now. In fact, I've talked about them so much. I say I don't like calzones, but if one's in front of me, I'm not not going to eat it. Look, she says pizza harder to eat. I say pocket full of pizza deliciousness. Hmm. I think it's about how you look at life, Mark. Not to get too meta here, but right. Yeah. She's I, very pizza half empty. I'm kind of pizza half full. Yeah. You, well, <laughs> well. You are the eternal optimist that the Calzone company needs as their spokesperson. You know, I, yeah, you should contact I them. I really should yep. see if I can get, get us some uh, some quality sponsorship on this show. Oh, my God. Well, Mark, you know, outside of those top 10 moments, <laughs> um, I, I loved a couple specific things. I, You know, you've mentioned a lot of them. The interplay in these pairings, although I called them dynamic pairings earlier. You know, we've talked about these dynamic pairings before as well, Mark. And I, I think the one of the ones we really both enjoyed at the time was Ron in April, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of mentorship here. And now we're going to see a Chris in April mentorship that's going to kind of begin and continue for a while. And we'll eventually see a third version, and you now a little spoiler alert, with a Ben in April mentorship. So it's kind of mm. cool to see all these people see things in April that she doesn't see in themselves. And, and it should be mentioned that all three of those people are wildly different. Yeah. But they all kind of yeah. see something in April. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, she'll eventually hopefully see it in herself and she'll become it'd be part of her growth. Let's just say it that way. Yep. Yep. I think I mentioned this. The the Donna and screen time here was terrific. Just great to see a full scene with Donna. Um, Jerry, too. Um, I'd go out on a limb here and say that the cast balance on this one in terms of participation 
one of the better episodes, probably. Agreed. I mean, really, if you look at the distribution and I didn't get nerdy and county lines or anything this week, but, you know, from a screen time perspective, everybody got a great scene or two or three. Uh, and that's pretty rare. So there's almost always a ebb and flow or a sacrificial lamb to that process. And here they did an excellent job. So I agree. That's great why writing. I gave it a whole half point. Yeah. Yep. No, good call. Well, you know, getting down to it, Mark, I also gave this episode nine little Sebastians um, that this is for me, I think, is a tie with my second highest flu season was my highest at nine point five. This is really, really close. I mean, I'm not sure what kept it from going to a nine five. Um, it just was missing a little something, but easily a nine point episode here easily. And this was also on the list of top 10 episodes on many lists. Hmm. Well, I, I certainly believe that, you know, I, I think the only the only thing I could say maybe that flu season has over this episode, so to speak, is flu season had so many really powerful uh, relationship plot moments. Yeah. And that's not to say that this is devoid of any. It has some, but yeah. maybe just not. It didn't have quite the one, two, three, four punch of all those different ones that it had. That's a good point. No, clearly, clearly a lot of funny in this episode. Yep. Overall, a very, very solid, great episode for sure. Completely agree. Yeah. You know, when, when we're all done with this, Mark, you know, six or seven years from now, <laughs> I think we need to look back and do our own top 10 episode list. And I'm wondering if this one will be on it. I think it might. Oh, man, this is a really strong contender. I, I, I think this is definitely in my top. This has got to be in my top three so far. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with episode 3.5, the fifth episode of season three, which is Media Blitz, which will be followed by episode 3.6, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Which is where we are. That's where we are, baby. So, all right. Well, everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Music